Patrick's Day. If you don't have your green on, you should, because Jesus is coming back on St. Patrick's Day, one of these years, and I've covered all my bases. I drink coffee, I play golf, Jesus is my savior, and I wear green, I have an Irish accent, so I'm covered. So when he comes, and, and the bright light from heaven hits this shirt, he will know exactly where I am. So like, I, I'm good. I don't know about you, but I'm good. Amen. Hey, welcome to this morning, and uh, it, all jokes aside, uh, this wasn't set up. Obviously, God wants to do something because the word minky is actually in the Bible. The word minky is actually in the Bible, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, thanks for joining us, those online, those in person. Thanks for taking this journey with us. It's just really cool that we would walk into each season that we do today. And we're starting a new series today. We're really not, actually, what we are. It's called the Holy Spirit. You know, the whole thing was first things first. Jesus actually, before he did anything, made a first thing first choice. We're going to transition and talk about it today as we go forward in that sense. The whole series actually is called The God I Never Knew. Or sadly for some people, it's called The God I Never Was Never Encouraged to Get to Know. Or even sadder than that, for some people... It's actually called the God I was encouraged to not get to know when it comes to this as we walk through today. Our, our wider church family here at Crossroads is called the Foursquare Church, in case you didn't know that. Here's our, our Foursquare symbol. Would you throw it up, Joe? You'll see this a lot of times around Foursquare Church, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of it today as we transition into our new series. Um, we're also known as the International Church, the Foursquare Gospel. What does our Foursquare kind of logo picture mean? Our name reflects the unchanging ministry of Jesus. When you leave today, as you go down the stairs, look up on the wall, there's a, a scripture there from Hebrews 13. It says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? He's the same yesterday, same today, he'll be the same forever for us. Our mission as a four-square church is to declare that message worldwide in Jerusalem, Judea, distant provinces, the remote parts of the earth. The four squares of the logo, represent the four scriptural rules that Jesus kind of talks about. So sit back and enjoy this for a second. Thank you, guys. So why do we call ourselves Foursquare? Believe it or not, it has nothing to do with our skills on the playground. No bobbles, double taps, or Texas twisters. Back in the 20s, our founder, Amy Semple McPherson, began referring to the message of the gospel as being Foursquare, which back in the day meant solid and balanced. Amy's message focused on four essential aspects of who Jesus Christ is, and those aspects are easily represented by the logo before you now. The first box, the cross, represents Christ the Savior. Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God who died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. Because of his sacrifice, we can actually have a relationship with the creator of the universe. The second box is a dove which represents Christ as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, a dove came down and landed on him, showing the Spirit of God was one with Jesus. The Spirit of God does the same thing today. In fact, we describe our movement as Spirit-filled, because the impossible is possible when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The third box is a chalice, which represents Christ as the healer. Jesus cares and is involved in all of our lives. Whether our issues are emotional, spiritual, or physical, God has the power to heal the deepest of wounds and cure the darkest of afflictions. 
And the final box is a crown, which represents Christ as the soon coming King. Simply put, Jesus is who he said he was. No matter how dark or confusing the world may get, Jesus will be returning one day to make all things right. So there you have it, four squares, representing four aspects of Jesus Christ, making a four square doctrine that is solid and balanced. We may not agree on every little aspect of how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. As long as you join with us in believing in Christ as Savior, baptizer with the Holy Spirit, healer, and soon coming King, well, your faith sounds pretty foursquare to us. Amen. Welcome to a foursquare church this morning. Hoorah! So for me personally, and then for us at Crossroads, knowing um, who God the Holy Spirit is and what his rules kind of want to be and really should be in our life is really, really important. If you stay with me this morning, you'll see this next statement, how it ties into what it means to know who God the Holy Spirit is in your life. Let me share a personal spot with you. A friend of mine um, <clears throat> shared some words of encouragement with me as we moved towards 2021 as it came to an end. And his words helped create a stirring in my heart that has led me to today, led us today as a church. His response to my text was this. Hey, Rob, Merry Christmas to you and your family, too. I genuinely appreciate your friendship, but most of all, I genuinely appreciate your genuine love for Jesus. Have a great day. Please hold on to the genuine love for Jesus statement this morning as we walk through this morning, please. The heartbeat for our series has everything to do with this statement is that God amongst us, God with us, God in us, and that God wants to work through us. To be honest, it doesn't get much better than that. Jen's whole story, and it was not set up, was literally God working through her in that situation. That in that moment was really, really difficult. He's not a sugar daddy. He's just a really, really good daddy. He's not a gimmick. He just shows up, and we find ourselves in difficult places, even when we kill other people's dogs. Right? Because honestly, our modern Christianity sometimes presents God as this lucky dip and this gimmick, and it's all just good and wonderful, living in this euphoria and this mountaintop. It's just fantastic. That's not fantastic. That difficult situation Jen found herself in wasn't fantastic, but there was a fantastic response inside of her because she told this genuine truth. In a moment, I felt like just leaving because no one had saw me, but somebody spoke to me on the inside and said, let's not do that. Let's do something else. And the story that Jen just shared would have never been shared had Jen just left and allowed her flesh to dictate what she did, but she allowed somebody else to speak to her. Yet of all the people we should ever get to know and need to know, it should be God the Holy Spirit. Because without him in our life, the journey can be incredibly treacherous. In fact, I would say nigh impossible, to be honest. Come with us over the next few weeks and discover how the latter part of the statement by my friend this past December would start to take root in a deep and profoundly personal way in my life in reference to God the Holy Spirit for me, your genuine love for Jesus. If I could be so bold this morning and make a personal statement, I think it's impossible, to be honest, to have a genuine love for Jesus and his people without God the Holy Spirit present active and working in our lives, period. 
I don't think there's a genuine bone in my body if the Holy Spirit is not guiding and directing me as a person. I discovered in the midst of some really craziness going on in and around my life, to be honest, that, that Jesus had saved me, absolutely yes. And yes, I had wanted to honor him by living my life in honor of him. And so yes, I wanted to get water baptized. If you've never been water baptized, it's one of the coolest things in the world. I've had to go to Israel a couple of times with some people in our church, and one of the coolest things I never forgot was us at the Jordan River getting water baptized. Literally watching God just do unique things as people got into this murky water that you could not see the bottom with, so you never know what was floating down there or swimming down there. And literally going, hey, I want to get wet. I want to honor Jesus. And watching people celebrate their love for Jesus as they come out of the water, not the perfect picture moment, just hair everywhere and mud everywhere and stuff everywhere and slimy green stuff everywhere, just celebrating their love for Jesus. It's profoundly, profoundly powerful when we discover a moment to say, Jesus, I'd like to honor you. It's an incredible place of declaration of loving Jesus and claiming him and proclaiming him to other people. But jump forward with me some 12 to 15 months after my water baptism in my own life into the moment that probably had forever changed me as a person. And here's what I'd like to speak to you from today as we walk forward. For me up to this point, I had never really understood or thought about who God the Holy Spirit was or even what role he might want to play or needed to play in my life. And here lies the potential tension for so many people like this. I, I want to respect all of you. I really do. Because all of you may have had different experiences that come to the surface when God the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit or even the picture that we had at the start is shown. You may have had different experiences that bring you to a point where it's kind of a different way you respond to him. So hopefully over the next few weeks, we would be honored to walk through a fresh introduction to who God the Holy Spirit is for you, so please stay with me this morning. So who is he to you? That in itself is a huge question that all of us have to answer for ourselves. When the word Holy Spirit, or God the Holy Spirit, because that's who he is, is God the Holy Spirit, is mentioned, we have a collection of thoughts and ideas that come to the surface for a lot of us. For some people, it's the extremes of it. For some people, it's that they should never go near that guy because he's really scary and he's actually wrong and he's not for today. Or the opposite was just kind of a crazy experience. And there's all this stuff that's mixed in that when the Holy Spirit's mentioned comes to the surface for us. To me, he's a person. He's not an it or a thing or a gimmick. He's a person. He's the person of the Holy Spirit. Why is it important? Because if we don't see him or take the time to get to know him as a person, we will never take the time to get to know him as God because he is God the Holy Spirit and he wants to have a relationship with all of us. Before we go any further though, some of the last things that Jesus talks about with his disciples are said to be found in John chapters 14 through 16. They say probably the last 12 to 15 hours of his life that this kind of, this word, these words are captured and kind of written down for us later on, that literally it's the, it's the last minutes, hours of Jesus's life that he's sharing these sort of things. So everything in the Bible is important. We all know that. But there are moments and there are moments that are probably up there when it comes to maybe take note moments, right? Like this one. Let me read it to you in John 14, emphasis by me. And I, Jesus, will ask the Father, 
and he will give you and I another advocate. One of the many names or roles of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. So we could just stop there and go there for hours. I've got about 30 minutes to communicate about 500,000 hours of information about the Holy Spirit. So we'll take moments, but you could stop there today and go no further and just ask yourself a simple question. If Jesus is asking the Father to send someone to you, shouldn't you engage with that someone? If Jesus, God the Son, is talking to God the Father to say, would you send someone else, God the Holy Spirit, God the Advocate, wouldn't we as individuals, why would we not want to respond and engage with him there who will never leave you. A lot of people say they're really, really lonely. There's a way to not be lonely. Let God the Holy Spirit be a part of your life. You may have lonely experiences, but you won't be lonely. I promise you. He'll never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. If you're wanting to know truth, there's one person that leads you into it. It's God the Holy Spirit. It's nobody else. That's what it literally says in It says, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Lives with you now, but later there'll come a moment where he goes from being with you to being in you. Jesus' words, I'm leaving you shortly, Rob. So you on the golf course. When I come and get you, you laugh. I mean, like, like heaven is an Irish golf course. You won't uh, come on seriously. Like, still water and green pastures is not an American golf course. Okay, it'd be a dry riverbed and burnt grass. Okay, Ireland would be still waters and green. Any, okay, but I, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. But I'm going to come back. Thank goodness. But I won't be leaving you alone. Just like I haven't been alone. Who's Jesus talking about? That's really important. Matthew 3, 13 and 15 and 17 says that then Jesus left Galilee to come to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Then Jesus, God the Son, replied, it is only right to do all that God the Father requires. Then John baptized Jesus. As Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw God the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly the voice of the Father, God the Father, shouted from the sky, saying, This is my Son, the Beloved. My greatest delight is in him. And then fast forward to Matthew 4 with me. Afterwards, God the Holy Spirit led Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. What strength was he revealing against the accuser? The presence and power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. Because Jesus didn't go to the wilderness until he was filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't step into what God had called him to step into until that moment that he was water baptized and then was open to and responded to allowing the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to come and fill him and lead him where he's going to lead him. How many of us have been conditioned at best, maybe to admire God the Holy Spirit from a distance, never to embrace him as a person? How can I explain what I mean? Gentlemen, help me out here. How many of you 
because it would only be me. You would never do that. Your wife would never do this. But mine did. How many of you have towels in your guest room that are not for your use, but they're for everybody else's use? Come on. It's okay. Confession is good for the soul. Gentlemen, you're a bunch of... Thank you, John. There's only one man in the room. Well, the, here's where this comes in. Can I touch it? Oh, thank you. This... Yeah, it's the only time I'm allowed to wear it, Jen. Oh, I'm stripping myself of all this. I shouldn't wear it because even God's not want me to put it on because he got my microphone off my ear. But this used to be, or is, or will be, back in our, excuse me, this is not going to work. I wrecked it. Talk amongst yourself for a second. <laughs> this is obviously not Fox News. Okay. Uh, this, this used to be, and we'll go back to our spare room. But the first time I saw it in there, I thought, that looks really, 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 really cool. <laughs> it was like folded up really nicely. And I thought, nobody else around. <laughs> Probably time for a nap. And I went down and, and lay down and, and I wrapped myself up in this. And then a voice from heaven cried from the other room, what do you think you are doing? Lord, you sound awfully like Andrea. She's like, Rob, Rob, Rob. I'm like, Andrea, Andrea, Andrea. That's not for Eurylus. It's just for looks when it comes to you. That's for a guest that might come and stay in our room. And I'm like, I think I helped pay for it. <laughs> I, I wonder, though, by accident, if a lot of us have maybe been conditioned to think that God the Holy Spirit is just for looks and he's not for use. Because Minky is actually in the Bible. Because there's another name for it that old school used to use. And it was the word comforter. John 16 says this. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager, minky, comforter, help, guide, will not be released to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgment. Please, please, regardless of what your background has been in reference to the Holy Spirit, whether he's a cuckoo clock or he's demonic, which some people have told me it's not right for a day and all that, all that stuff, or it's the opposite where he's just an out of control kind of freak and does things to you that you can't control and makes you do things. All of that's wrong. Because there's no comforter in the world would ever come and do that to anybody. There's no guide, or counselor, or help would ever do that to anybody. 
uh, God the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form. I've learned to especially appreciate the presence of the helper when I go through difficult times of trials and discouragements and struggle or when you kill a dog. Because that's not so often presented. The other stuff is. That it's way over there, it's way over there, but it's actually right in the midst of there. That when you face a struggle or a challenge or a difficult time, he's there. The Spirit sustains me with supernatural strength and hope. When I experienced grief, which I did when my father passed away early in his life at 51, and I stood over his coffin when my sister basically said, don't ever mention Jesus to me again, because why would he take my brand new daddy away from me 14, after month, 14 months after giving him to me? So Robert, I love you, but don't ever mention God again. I hope you can handle all this stuff at the funeral goodbye and slammed the bedroom door. And I stood over his coffin and went, I can either fall apart, jump out of a window, or I can take him by the hand. Excuse me, sorry about this. I can jump out of a window, or I can take him by the hand and let him walk me through it. When I'm mistreated or persecuted, he gives me miraculous grace to endure. And when I'm accused of misunderstanding, he fights my battles for me. When I make a mistake and want to kick myself, he lifts my head and mixes gentle correction with encouragement. When I'm in despair, he reminds me of God's promises and he wants me to do the same for you and I. See, the Holy Spirit is the person who helped convict me, not condemn me of my need of a Savior. It wasn't me, it was him, and thank goodness it was. See, the Holy Spirit wants to use you and I as an encourager to other people. He wants to use us as a conduit, as it were, to allow the power that's in you to flow through you. John and Doreen, you've heard about them, my mentors. 15 years old, so that was literally 42 years ago. God used them to allow the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to flow through them to me. And that night I gave my life to Jesus, and I've never regretted the choice. Sadly, though, too many people, unfortunately, believe that the Holy Spirit is out to get them. Instead of being out to restore them and protect them and guide them and redeem them, See, Jesus was filled with and led by God, the Holy Spirit. So why wouldn't we want to live our life in the same way as Jesus did? Why would we want to go into whatever God's calling us without the presence that became a part of his life as he got water baptized and came out of the river? Lots of things could have happened, but only one thing happened. Dad, Dad went, this is really, really cool, and this is my cool son. And he empowered his son to do what he was asking his son to do, because we can John 16 says this, there's so much more I would like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth-giving spirit, the Holy Spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. But when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will reveal or unveil the reality of every truth within you. See, he did it for Jen. The Holy Spirit in Jen's life, in a moment of desperation, a dog's dead, kids are in the car. It's not a wonderful situation, if you don't mind me using it, Jen. In that moment, the Holy Spirit came and revealed the truth to Jen, because she's open to him. But the truth was, Jen, you can either leave and drive off and live with the weight and the guilt of it for the rest of your life, because you'll feel it. Tomorrow morning, you will go, I wish I hadn't done that, I promise you. 
That's me adding to that. That's what will happen. But Jan went. He went, hey, Jan, I know you feel really bad. I know you want to throw up, right, guy? But trust me, let me reveal a truth to you. The best thing you can do is go pick up the dog and take it home and allow me to walk you through the experience so we can come out the other end in a better place. That's exactly what he did. Or for us, it's you come home and you're stressed and you're pressed and you hear this flash through your head. Robert, don't say that to Andrea. And I'm not smart enough sometimes like Jen to listen. <laughs> and we go ahead and say it and all hell breaks loose and we wonder why it happened. And we go back to a moment that the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal truth to us and go, no, right now is not the time to say that. Just stop and listen, Robert. Yeah, I got you. And we go ahead and say it and we step into, yeah, it's not complicated, it's easy. See, he's a person. He wants to have a relationship with you. All right, Geiler, at me.com, 801-695-7700. As Caitlin was so kind to give it out last weekend. <laughs> Hear me. He is a person who wants to have a relationship with you, but he is not weird and he is not goofy. Many people, sadly, sadly see and experience weird and goofy people who sometimes talk about the Holy Spirit, so then we accidentally associate the Holy Spirit as being weird and goofy, but he's not. People are weird and goofy, and they'd be weird and goofy without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> With all due respect, R.A. Geiler, me.com, at me.com, 801-695-7700, call me one of that, that's the sad thing. There's so many people, they've, they've heard about people who talk about the Holy Spirit, and they're weird and goofy. The Holy Spirit's not weird and goofy. He's wonderful. In fact, the Holy Spirit filled Jesus and led Jesus into the journey he was called to. How can I say that? Because here's the thing I want you to remember. I only copy what my mentor did in reference to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Who's my mentor? Jesus. And he was never weird or goofy, even with him being filled and led by the Holy Spirit that we're talking about today. See, how you choose to see the Holy Spirit will help us determine how you choose to interact with him. If you see him as a weird and goofy person, why would anybody want to interact with a weird and goofy person? I wouldn't. I'd give them a wide berth, actually, when I see them in the street. Like last night, we pulled up to a traffic light. We're going somewhere, and there's a weird and goofy person standing by the light. And they were screaming at all the cars. I mean, they were calling the cars everything under the sun. I mean, everything under the sun I think they could think of. They were literally running around crazy. It looked like they were high on something. I'm like, I, I wouldn't want to sit down and have coffee with him right now. I'd like him to calm down. I'd love to have coffee afterwards. But he was acting weird and goofy. And so often people have this interaction. I've had this experience of people who have acted weird and goofy. And you, unfortunately, we unfortunately associate the Holy Spirit with weird and goofy. But he's not, because if the Holy Spirit was weird and goofy, and he became upon people's life, and they became weird and goofy, who would be the first person with weird and goofy, John? Jesus. Because that's the first person that was filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was never, ever weird and goofy. You see, you can be a normal person and believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. 
You will see power when the Holy Spirit fills your life. To be weird and goofy? Absolutely not. But to what? Caitlin took us to it last weekend in our series. So in the in Acts, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times. They are not for you and I to know. Can I give you a personal opinion? And this is uh, R.A. Geiler at me.com, blah, blah, blah. Okay, R.A. Geiler at me.com, right? Can I honestly give you a personal opinion? I wish Christians in the 21st century, and this is my personal opinion, would stop being too preoccupied with the future and to be present today. I wish we were way, 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 it says it right in the Bible, nobody knows when it's going to happen. Like, nobody. Yet we have more books on the shelves about when God's coming back, and you go, maybe this is not in the American Bible, because it's in the Irish one. The Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times, and they are not for you and I to know. And we become some preoccupied with the future, when if we allowed the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, we'd be fully present today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for what? And you will be my witnesses telling people. You could say, I think a young lady said it last week. You could say sharing your personal story about Jesus with other people. In where? Everywhere. In Jerusalem. Hey, if you're from these places, would you please stand? Ogden, please stand. Clearfield, please stand. Syracuse, please stand. Mountain Green, please stand. Leighton, please stand. Look around the room a second. Look around the room a second. That's a small representation. Look at me a second. You know where Jesus would like you to take you and share your story? In all these places. Every place he has placed you right now. Every single, have a seat. Every single place is where... Jesus would like you to share your story by allowing you to be empowered with and filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the profound places that the power and presence of God, the Holy Spirit, that we're talking about today is seen, shown, and experienced is in this one thing, is love. If you and I don't have the love that Jesus is talking about functioning in our life, everything else is a mute point, and it says it this way in 1 Corinthians 1 through 3 and then 8a. If we speak with the eloquence in earth's many languages, which there's lots of them, and in the heavenly tongues of angels, which there's lots of those, and it's really your ability for today, yet I don't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sign of nothing more than a clanging symbol. A clanging symbol is repulsive, not attractive. A clanging symbol does not attract people, it repulses people. In fact, people cover their ears when something is that far out of tune. There's no enjoyment, attraction to it whatsoever. So if the whole functionality of the power and the presence, all the gifts that God's put in us is not foundationally in love, it means absolutely nothing. And if I have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I have the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but I've never learned to love... All of that stuff is absolutely nothing. Now, if I were to be so generous to give away everything I owe to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would have gained nothing of value. Love never stops loving. 
You may have heard people use words like the evidence of God, the Holy Spirit. Maybe a better word would be the benefits of. Are all the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today? Absolutely. Every single one of them. Even the ones that sadly so many people overemphasize and argue about. When in reality, if there was one gift that we should function on, it would be the gift of love. His unconditional love, but to truly learn to live that way. I know for me that God the Holy Spirit had to be present in my life, and I had to let him lead me to a place where I could learn to love people unconditionally. That 15, 12 to 15 months later, after getting water baptized, I realized I needed my life to be filled with the same power and person that had filled Jesus' life that day at the Jordan River and then had led him through the rest of his life. John 14, 17b, emphasis by me, he lives with you now and later he will be in you. And then God said, like maybe right now, Rob, hint, hint. So as I stood in the shower that day, I asked Jesus to fill my life with the same power that had filled his life. That same power that had descended and and came upon him and filled him and led him at the Jordan River. And I asked him to let that same power, God the Holy Spirit, lead me from that moment on. And I text my friend back and asked him, why he wrote me those words in December? Because that's all I want to be known for. That I have a genuine love for Jesus. I really don't want anything else. I want to know that my life, there's a genuineness, a genuine love that oozes from my life. Because it can only be genuine because God, the Holy Spirit, became an essential part of my life that day. You can do the same if you want to. Because God, the Holy Spirit, won't make you do anything. That's bad teaching if you've been taught that. God, the Holy Spirit, won't force himself on anybody. He doesn't force himself and make people do anything. He asks and invites people to open themselves up to everything to allow him to be a part of every part of their life. Robert Morris, a a distant mentor of mine, I wrote some words for personal pondering. I want to read them to you in a second. But while I'm reading it, I want you to think through this main thought for today. How we choose to see God the Holy Spirit will help us determine how we choose to interact with him. And that you can be a normal person and actually believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit and have a real relationship with him. Because God the Holy Spirit wants to have a real relationship with you and I, just like he did with Jesus. If you want to, you can close your eyes and just enjoy these words. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers of the flock. He hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ, receives Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things, and reveals all things. Where he is, there is liberty, freedom. If you need freedom today, right now, the person that brings you freedom is the person of the Holy Spirit. The writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him, the Holy Spirit. We are warned not to grieve him or to quench him. The sin against him is unpardonable because sin against him is is against the only one who can reveal the Son to us. 
Unless a man is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We're convicted by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed by him. Sadly, guys, in our culture today, there's an incredible effort to blind us, to scare us, and to confuse us about God the Holy Spirit. I wonder why. Question for you. Who do you think tries to make people confused and blind and afraid of the Holy Spirit? Satan, the devil. Why? Because you read it earlier, Acts 1.8. And I promise you this, that God the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized, overflowing and filled with power. Why? So you can be my messengers, my witnesses, my conduits, not weird ones, just wonderfully empowered ones to where? To Jerusalem, throughout Judea, distant provinces, even to the remotest parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's wonderful. He wants to get to know you and I. He wants you to get to know him. Please hear me here. All right, Geiler at me.com. God is interested in spiritual fruit, not religious nutcases. God is interested in producing fruit in our life, not people who act religiously weird. He wants to grow fruit in our lives that literally people can experience. What fruit? We talked about the whole idea of love. See, most people would say, oh, yes, I, I want the fruit of the Spirit growing in my life, and we find it in Galatians 5, right? But pause for a second. The fruit of what produced by who? It says this, but God the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Nobody else. The only person that can literally bring about the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit in our life. Literally, that, that desire to be in a place of loving people unconditionally, it comes from him and him alone. You see, the fruit of God or God the Holy Spirit, can only be developed in us if we ally, invite, and submit to the one who produces it. We receive salvation when we believe that Jesus died on the cross, our place on the cross. But we don't develop character that way. It results when we surrender to God the Holy Spirit and we allow him to live in our place. Yes, salvation is when Jesus died in our place, but sanctification comes when we let God, the Holy Spirit, live in our place. Of course, it's easy for most people to allow Jesus to die in their place. It's just a lot harder to let the Holy Spirit live in their place. See, the second one requires a second step of submission. We submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to allow Jesus to change us, but we also submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the minky, to come and be a part of our life and to comfort us because he won't come and comfort of you if you don't want him to. He won't come and be a part of your life as a guide, as a help, as a comforter, as a counselor if you don't invite him to. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is like having kids. His kids are a result of intimacy. Literally, the fruit in our life is produced from a place of allowing intimacy to take part in our life. It's fruit that follows intimacy, and intimacy is about having a personal and close relationship with a living God. But how do you get there? Well, you start by stopping trying harder. It's not about trying harder. It's about submitting. It's not about trying to achieve something or make something happen. It's literally about submitting your life and your situation to him. It's choosing to yield to God, the Holy Spirit, today, and then daily, as Jesus did. If it was good for Jesus, it's probably good for us. 
choosing to yield to him in the areas of your life that you find yourself struggling in. Jen, in that moment with the dog being killed, literally submitted her feelings to the Holy Spirit feelings. She allowed her way to not drive her away, but she allowed his way to drive her into a place that she shared an incredible story with us today. Because I don't know how you're going to theologically unpack that, that the people say we're thinking of how to kill our dog, and you did it for us. I mean, you go, what? Like, really? Would God do something like that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because either God's in charge of everything. In the midst of I think the Bible says all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, called them to a purpose. So God works in a situation. If we're comfortable enough that the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the minky, is a part of our life, that when we need him to speak to us and guide us and direct us, that we respond to him. Because honestly, I'm sorry, baby. I, I know, I love you. Because <laughs> if that's how we treat the Holy Spirit, or the minky, or the comforter, or the helper, when we really need him, you can't get to it when you need it. You can't get to him and respond to him when you need it. And unfortunately, our culture, a lot of people have been taught that there's no place for this in their life. And the last time I checked and all the theologians, Pastor Mark's in the room, so he'll help me. The last time I checked, there's no second new gospel. There's no second new testament. There's just one. And we're living in it today. And if it was good enough for my mentor, good enough for my savior, good enough for God, God the son to be filled with, the minky, the counselor, the helper, wouldn't it be good enough for us? I don't know where you're at today in reference to him. I don't know where you're at in reference to, him, to what place or what position you allow the Holy Spirit to have in your life. I'd like you to do something just with me just quickly. Just close your eyes just for a second. Maybe today you'd be open to inviting or allowing whatever works for you, the Holy Spirit, to have a fresh access to your life, that you allow him to become your genuine comforter in your life. Maybe there's an area you know he hasn't been that for you, and this morning you would go, Lord, I, I don't know what that looks like, but I'd like to walk it out with you today. And today you say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to step into opening myself up to have a new experience with you in reference to your role in my life and in my situation and my circumstance. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you a simple thing just where you're, where you're sitting right now. I'm just going to ask you to stand so I can pray for you. Anybody, thank you. Anyone else? Don't worry about it. If it's you, stand. Anybody else? You know what? I'd, I'd like to allow you to have a new place in my life. Anyone else? Thank you. Don't worry about anybody else. Just you. Lord, I just come with um, my family. And Lord, as you came up out of the Jordan River and you stood there, the first thing that happened was God, the Holy Spirit, descended upon you and filled you and then led you. Lord, my family are standing before me today, and I just ask you to come and meet us as individual people. I ask you to come and fill us, Lord Jesus, afresh.
with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to allow you to have access to every room in our life, that you would come and you would refresh us and you would renew us and you would guide us into this season that we find ourselves in, that you would become our comforter, that you would become, Lord, if you would let me use it, Lord, you'd become our mentee. You'd become our guide. You'd become our help. You'd become our covering. Lord, I ask you to come today and meet us in who we are as individual people, in the individual journey that we're on, that, Lord, you'd allow your Holy Spirit to refresh us. As we step out of this place today, your presence, your power, your voice would become clearer to us than ever before in our life as you lead us and guide us in this season. Dad, we ask for your direction and guidance. We ask, Lord, to show us how to allow you to have full access to our life, Jesus, we ask in your precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Jen. I'm taking this. Thank you again, Pastor Rob, for your beautiful message. And those of you online, thank you again for joining us. We pray you have an incredible week filled with the comfort of the Holy Spirit um, in a new way. And thank you all um, for coming and joining us this morning.